0: My name is Neil Suri, and when I was 16 years old, I created a way to detect forest fires the second they start. My generation were people who are willing to see problems and work towards solving them. I'm really proud to be part of that community of people who are willing to take action when they see things that they think should be improved.
1: Hey, I'm Danny Washington, and welcome to The Genius Generation, the podcast about young people who are changing our world in big ways. On this week's show, my guest is 16-year-old Neil Suri, who is tackling the ever-worsening problem of wildfires. Neil invented a revolutionary new way to detect them before they get out of control. It's called Firewatch, and it's incredibly cool. Neil, great to have you with us. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm very excited to talk to you today because I've witnessed these fires and the effects of them. It's a terrible situation on all fronts. But just to backtrack a little bit, I want to know, when did you first have an interest in science?
0: Science, and really technology specifically, is one of those things that as a young age you can really get into. For me, my main interest was with like programming and computer science. And What really separated that for me was the fact that if I was, you know, interested in medicine, I couldn't just go out and do surgery. With computer science, anyone can go online. There's so many online videos and tutorials that you can become really an expert in anything. And so the fact that I was able to do things that people who were like professional were also doing, that was, you know, really cool for me.
1: Totally. And so you've chosen to take your technology skills and apply them to wildfires. What inspired you to go in that direction?
0: Everyone knows that there's different natural disasters. There's forest fires, hurricanes, tornadoes. For me, what makes forest fires unique is how widespread their damage is. And you don't really get that into perspective until you see it for yourself. A few years ago, I was lucky enough to travel to California with my family, and we went on a hiking trip in the Sierra Nevada. And, and the entire mountainside was all burnt to the ground. and. That was obviously really powerful to see with your own two eyes. But what was really impactful was, I thought the forest fire was recent. The forest fire was over a decade old. And there was only just small shrubs on the ground. And so to think about the fact that this damage isn't just here today, it's here 10 years, 20 years. It could take many decades for the forest to come back. The Australia wildfires recently, the bushfires, you hear that there's hundreds of thousands of acres burned. But I saw that the size of that burn in Australia was roughly the size of the state of Kentucky.
1: I've read lots of news stories about those fires, but I hadn't heard it in that perspective. And you just blew my mind.
0: <laughs> and so when you think about it, if the entire state of Kentucky was just burnt to the crown, that would be absolutely like the craziest thing. That really changed my perspective about forest fires because, you know, you think of, the fire is like in one spot. No, these fires are absolutely massive. They destroy everything in their path. It's really sad to see.
1: And as scary as that is, I know that solutions are real and you have one of them. So let's talk about the science of Firewatch. How did you build it and what exactly does it do?
0: After that trip in California, I started thinking about what makes wildfires so deadly. And I talked to an ex-firefighter And what he told me is one of the reasons that forest fire detection is so important is because fires really experience exponential growth. You have one tree that lights two more trees on fire. Each of those trees lights two more trees on fire. And all of a sudden, it's uncontrolled. And it's really important to catch the fires when they're really early because when they're early, they still can be contained. And that's where Firewatch comes in. I looked at the existing wildfire detection infrastructure, both in the US and abroad, and I really thought that it was ripe for disruption. For many years, it was just some dude in a tower. (sighs) Now we've mostly switched from someone watching to camera-based approaches, but they're ridiculously expensive. They can cost upwards of, you know, $70,000. And I'm like, there's no reason that I can't do it cheaper. Your iPhone has as good a camera in it, and that's significantly cheaper. And starting from that perspective, I went to work on Firewatch. So the first thing that I did was I made a machine learning algorithm, and it uses the cameras to detect the smoke from the fire. Basically, I went through and I found thousands of images of forest fires. And I found thousands of images without forest fires, and I just fed them into this algorithm. And it was able to determine, first of all, is there a fire in this image? And then where is the fire? So those are like the pixel coordinates of this fire. But if you tell a firefighter, hey, the fire is at you know, 133, 2017, that's just pixel coordinates in and image, what are they going to do with that? What they really want to know is they want to know the latitude and longitude of the fire. And what I realized is the renderings from Google Earth were almost exactly the same as the images I was taking. And so I had a light bulb moment, and I realized I could take those pixel coordinates, and I could match them to this Google Earth image, and I can figure out the latitude and longitude from that. And so that's how I'm able to provide first responders, not just with, hey, there's a forest fire in this area. I can say these are the exact latitude and longitudes of the fire, and that's something that's really never been done before, but what really sets Firewatch apart is the price. And so when you have these really expensive devices, you put them in really critical spots that it can detect a large area, but there still might be blind spots when they're so expensive. With Firewatch, if you can't see the fire from one angle, you might be able to see it from another angle. That's really important. And so it's one of the reasons that Firewatch is able to be more effective because you're able to have more of the devices.
1: Wow. Wow, Neil, I'm super impressed. That makes so much sense. And why haven't we figured this out from before, but I'm glad you did. (laughs) So tell us about how you built the, the mechanics of it. What does it look like? Describe it to us.
0: The device itself is just a small box which houses the internal battery and computer. And it has a tentacle that comes up and out. And on that tentacle is what I call the camera hub. And that has four cameras that face 90 degrees each. And so that provides 360 degree coverage.
1: That is awesome. Now, you mentioned price point before and how important it is to keep these devices affordable. How much does it cost to make one of
0: these? The Firewatch device to build costs $120. And when you compare that to even the cheapest of current devices cost like in the tens of thousands. And so you're talking about like a really big price reduction. And it's really important outside the United States The country that has the most number of wildfires each year is the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is also one of the poorest nations in the world. They have basically non-existent fire detection infrastructure. And so it's really important in developing nations to help out with that, especially you look at the Amazon rainforest fires. That area is so massive. There is just not currently detection infrastructure across most of the region.
1: Is that one of your aspirations? Do you hope to take your technology over to those areas of the world?
0: Absolutely.
1: So does each Firewatch device, does it send a signal to some server where you can see those images? Or does is it like an alarm system? How does that work?
0: Yeah, so the device is completely, you know, on its own. It has a solar panel on top. Once you put it there, it should require basically zero maintenance. And we're working on developing a system where the device itself can directly contact the agencies with all that information. The way that happens is there's actually a 4G modem on board in the device. And the area that I'm operating right now is these rural areas, but they still have cell phone service, albeit pretty slow. As I'm expanding, inside the device's room to house satellite communication. Because when you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no cell towers nearby. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on right now is working on that satellite communication integration. My work is never finished.
1: <laughs> Tell me about the moment when you finally got the Firewatch to work.
0: One day... I got a text message from one of the devices. That's how they communicate with me directly. It gave the location, the exact coordinates of the fire, and I realized this isn't a real fire. I looked at the image. It had confused the morning fog with a fire, and I was really disheartened by that. And I went back, and I made some tweaks to the algorithm, and two weeks later, I got another report from the device, and I look online, there's no peep of a fire in the region. There's nothing, and I'm like, wow, it's done it again. And I, at that point, I was almost considering giving up. And later that day, I'm on my way home from school, and I see a tweet on my phone that says that, that there's a fire in Shenandoah National Park. And I realized, whoa, wait a second, I've detected a real forest fire. And that was what made all of the work, all the hundreds of hours I've spent on this, all worth it.
1: That is so Awesome. And hopefully it inspires more young people like yourself to explore, building whatever they think is the solution that's needed in the world. And just go for it.
0: Absolutely. I think that my generation, maybe more than in years past, you know, we're really a generation of people who are like willing to see problems and work towards solving them. And I think anyone can do that. It can be with technology and science, in my case. It can be with social justice in other ways. I'm really proud to be part of that community of people who are willing to take action when they see things that they think should be improved.
1: That's so cool. Thank you, Neil, so much for spending time with us today. I have such a good feeling about this. We definitely need more people like you in the world. So thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Genius Generation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and subscribe. The Genius Generation is a podcast created by Seeker and Tracks. The show is hosted by me, Danny Washington. Emily Feld and Eben Hall are our producers. Caroline Rolfe, Brian Simagala, and Matt Morales are our Seeker producers. Our editor and sound designer is John Papas. Our executive producers are Brett Kushner, Michelle Smalley, and Brian Pendergast. Our PA is Navani Otero. Thanks for listening. Funding for the Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. How do we create change that lasts? True transformation happens by changing the system, not just the situation. It's a bit like the difference between saving a tree and creating a new sustainable way of doing forestry. Ashoka is a global community of thousands of changemakers who are committed to making systemic change and empowering others to do the same. We get it. Changing systems sounds intimidating, but there's nothing to fear. Join Ashoka for a three-part learning journey to uncover issues you care about, identify the root causes, and start building a solution. Learn more by visiting changemaking.net or check out the link in the show
0: notes. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
1: This is TRAX from PRX.